0: Good. Thanks, Mallie. That was awesome. Thanks for sharing your story. Our stories are powerful. Um, and actually, in Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, it's actually written by John, who also wrote the Book of John, which we're going through this semester. Um, John wrote in Revelation. It says, um, I can't exactly remember. Maybe three seventeen, but it says, "We will overcome." everything by the blood of Jesus, by him dying for us on the cross, and by the word of our testimony, sharing our stories, sharing what Jesus has done in our lives, sharing who he is and what he has done for us. So thanks Mallory for sharing with us. Um, it's great to be here with you guys and to be able to worship Jesus with you. Um, my name's Katie Moran, and I'm one of the campus pastors with Kai Alpha. And, um, Yeah, just so excited to be with you guys and to be continuing our series in John. So tonight we're going to be in chapter three. So if you guys wanna turn in your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, my husband would love to give you one. We have some free Bibles that look really cool actually. And you are welcome to take those home with you. You're welcome to write in them, make them your own. So if you don't have a Bible, if you just wanna raise your hand really quick, Josh will get you a Bible and you can follow along with us. Yeah. And you can just keep your hand up and he'll get to you. We have lots of Bibles. So take one if you need. We're going to pray before we read the word. So pray with me. God, we thank you so much that your word in the Bible tells us that you are always with us, that you never leave us. And so we thank you that you're with us tonight, God. And we thank you that you have given us the Bible that you've given us these words that we can um, know you better and so I pray tonight that we wouldn't just hear more information that we wouldn't just learn more intellectual knowledge about you God but that your word would transcend our hearts and our minds and that we would know you better that that what we learned tonight God we would put into practice that what we learned tonight would draw us closer in a closer relationship with you So God, would you open our hearts and our minds to you and what you'd have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. But before we do, where we are right now in this series, we have started seeing Jesus bring about the kingdom of God. That was the purpose and why he came to the earth. He came to restore the earth to what he desired it to be in the first place. He came to redeem the earth, to heal, to um, bring shalom, bring peace to the earth that was so broken. And so we have seen some miracles. We saw last week that he changed water to wine and that he offers us new life in him. And tonight we're gonna see two men encounter Jesus and we're gonna see what their reactions are to him. So let's start reading in verse one. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. So pause. We have a man named Nicodemus, and he is talking to Jesus. It says that he's a Pharisee and this would mean that he was a religious leader of the day. He would have been seen as very moral. He would have kept the law. He would have done everything he could to make sure that every little part of his day was lining up with the scripture in the Old Testament and what Jesus and what God said to do and what was right. So he would have been a very moral person and It also says that he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So that means he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was very wise. He was full of integrity. And so we have this man coming to Jesus. And it says he came to him, he came to Jesus at night. You see, he came to Jesus at night because the other Pharisees, the other members of the Sanhedrin as well, they weren't so keen on Jesus. They weren't so sure about him yet because, you see, they knew that someone was coming. The Messiah was coming, and they were looking for him to come to bring about restoration of the earth, but they had their own opinions and their own ideas of what that would look like and how that would be, and frankly, Jesus just really wasn't lining up with what they thought or anticipated that God bringing about his kingdom would look like. And so Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this Jewish ruler comes to Jesus at night. Why does he do that? Well, he has this burning question that despite what could happen if someone noticed him talking to Jesus, that he had to ask. So he comes in the cloak of the night, and he asks this question. Really, he gives some statements first. He says, in verse 2, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So he comes in the cloak of the night with this question for Jesus. And it's not really a question, you'll see. It's more of a statement. But Jesus knew. Sorry, my iPad was stuck to the stand because it's metal in this magnet. So <laughs> um Yeah, so he comes and he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. Come from God. So he this is a bold statement already. He's acknowledging that Jesus has come from God. And then he says, For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So he's coming to Jesus and he says this. And then Jesus' response is Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You might be thinking, that's not what he asked. But Jesus is God. Surprise. Um, Jesus is God in human form. And Jesus knew what this burning question was. Why Nicodemus came to him at night. Why, even though Nicodemus would have been ridiculed, his integrity would be questioned, his wisdom would be questioned by going to Jesus, Jesus knew that his question was, is it you? Like, I've seen that you come from God. Is it you? Are you the one bringing about the kingdom of God? And if so, how can I be a part of this? And so Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus is pretty smart. So he's like, okay, Jesus, this is a metaphor. So then he asks, Okay, so how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And I would concur, I've had four children. You cannot go back. <laughs> there is no going back. So Nicodemus is like, okay, God. Okay, Jesus. Um, he says, okay, Jesus, I'll, I'll go along with your metaphor. Okay, so surely they can't enter a second time. So what, what are you saying? And then Jesus answers him. And he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God (laughs) unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so is everyone born of the spirit. So we have Nicodemus. He's asking about the kingdom of God. He's asking, are you the one that's come to restore and bring into reign the kingdom of God, making everything as you have created it to be? And Jesus is like, you have to be born again to see this kingdom. And then he's talking about water and about flesh and about the spirit. And that might seem confusing to us. Is anybody confused? A little bit? Nobody's admitting it. Okay. Um, well, I'll explain it anyway. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, remember? So he would have known the Old Testament. He would have known the entire Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written. It's actually being written as this happens, which is amazing. Um, and so he would have known the Old Testament. And so when Jesus refers to this, instantly he would have thought of a passage in Ezekiel. And actually, the first week of TNL, I got to read this, Closing Worship, and it's here again. And it's one of my favorites, so I'm gonna read it again. Ezekiel 36, 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. So Jesus' nod to this passage wouldn't have been missed by Nicodemus. He would have known this idea of spirit and water, where God's saying, I'm gonna make you new. Trust me, I'll make you new. Not just stopping at cleansing, us, but actually giving us a new heart and a new spirit, removing our old heart, giving us a new heart of flesh, this old heart of stone that's dead and not living. And he says, I'm going to give you this new heart of flesh that's alive, that's feeling, that's living. And then he says, and I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you to be careful to keep my laws. God says he's not going to leave us. He's not going to just make us new and then leave us on our own, but he actually comes with us and in us. And so this is what it's talking about. It's talking about a new spirit giving us a heart of flesh. He says, you know, your flesh isn't enough. Like you can't do enough to get to Jesus by yourself. But you need me to do this for you. You need God to do this for you. And then he says, um, if you can go back to, nope, yep. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from, can't tell where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. So this idea that, that we actually receive the Holy Spirit, it's God saying, I'm going to put my Spirit in you, and then I'm going to help you move. It's going to be me working. He says, you know, you can't see the wind, right? How many of you can see the wind? Good. None of you. Excellent. <laughs> um, none of us can see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. We see the wind in the trees. Sometimes the effects are really mild, and sometimes they're transformational. Just as it is with the Holy Spirit. We can't see the Holy Spirit like Nicodemus could see Jesus, because Jesus was God in the form of a human. But you see, when, when Jesus, we'll read later, this is a little uh, for whatever that word is, um, what is that word? I don't know. Foreshadowing. <laughs> you guys knew it and you were holding out on me the whole time. You're just going to let me stay up here. Okay, it's fine. This is foreshadowing. So so actually, later in John, we're going to see that when Jesus dies on the cross, he rises to life again. The same spirit that God puts in us, this same spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, And then Jesus walks around for a while on earth, and we're going to read about that later in John. And then Jesus goes back to heaven to be with God the Father, but he doesn't leave us alone. He sends the Holy Spirit here, who is God with us here now. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, the Holy Spirit, you can't see him, but you can see the work that he does. And this same spirit, he's going to be in you to move you to follow me. God is transforming. He's healing. He's restoring. He makes people new. I'm a new person since I know Jesus, since I've given my life completely to him and made him savior and Lord of my life. And Nicodemus's life was about what? It was about doing it himself. That's all he could do at that point. It was all up to him to keep the law. And so Jesus saying this to Nicodemus would have been like So mind-blowing. Like, what do you mean? It's not up to me anymore? You're going to give me new life? You're going to help me? You're going to do the work? So John 3, in verse 7, says you must be born again. You must experience this new birth and this new life. And the word there is zoe in the Greek, It's not like biological life, but it's this idea of zoe life, this life lived in Jesus, where the Holy Spirit is the one helping us to be new, helping us to follow Jesus. Jesus is offering Nicodemus this new life. And Nicodemus, this man who is so wise and who really loves God and wants to please God, I love his response. His response is, how? It's how can this be? I want this. And so Jesus then tells him, he says in verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So again, this is a reference to the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have understood. The reference is, to Moses. Moses was the leader of the Israelites. The Israelites were the people of God. And at this certain time, the Israelites are in the desert. Now, Jesus had a paradise waiting for them. But instead of following the way of God, they chose to follow what they thought was best. And it landed them in the desert for 40 years when paradise was literally waiting for them. Like how many times have my decisions to not follow God or not do what I knew God was asking, landed me in the desert when there was a paradise waiting. It was a lot, (laughs) a lot of times. So they're in the desert and um, they make some really bad choices again. And then these poisonous snakes, this is in the Bible. Like you can go read this later in your Bible. There should be a little footnote that tells you where it is. So um, these snakes come out. So they're in the desert, making bad choices. And then these poisonous snakes come out, which like would freak me out because I hate snakes or any bugs. Um, I'm not actually really an animal person. I don't know if you guys hate me now, but kind of not. I like people, though, people I love. <laughs> so these poisonous snakes come out, and they start biting the Israelites, and the Israelites started getting sick and started dying, and Moses, the leader, just cries out to God, and he says, God, save these people like what are we going to do these are your people you love them and so God says okay Moses this is what you need to do you need to go and make a snake out of bronze go make a bronze snake like a kind of like statue or something and then he's like okay go and hold that up and then he says have the Israelites look up at the snake and when they look to up to the snake they will be saved And so Moses goes and does this. Can you imagine how crazy (laughs) it would seem? Like, no, it's going to fix everything. I know it's not medicine, but it's fine. Um, And so he goes and makes this bronze snake. He holds it up, and he tells the people, look up to this snake, and you will be saved. And so the Israelites do it, and guess what? They get healed miraculously. And Jesus is nodding here, and he's saying, if you, it says, if So that snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, which is a reference to Jesus, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And what happens? So that everyone who believes can have eternal life in him. This means that Jesus needs to be exalted, that when we look to Jesus, we can be saved. Now, in John, this idea of lifted up means exalted, and it also means exalted because of the cross. Generally, if you read in the book of John and you see this phrase like, the son of man lifted up or Jesus lifted up, it's talking about the end game for a little while because we know he comes to life again. But it's talking about Jesus going to the cross. And so it says, if you exalt me, I'm the one on the cross. If you look to me, you will be saved. But why? Why would Jesus go to the cross? Why would he be lifted up? Verse 16, for God so loved the world. This comes right after. He says, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to go die on the cross. And why? What is the motivation? It's his love. And it's his reckless love that we sometimes sing about, or this, this idea that, like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would this holy God come to the earth as a man, limit himself? as a human and then go and die. It's because of his great love for you. His great love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already so he's saying this is the state you're already in you're already condemned i'm not coming to condemn you jesus doesn't condemn us he's not waiting to condemn us he's waiting to save you Because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. They weren't focused on Jesus. We read in chapter 1 that Jesus is the light. So they were focused on darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth, it doesn't say live perfectly, but it says that you live by the truth, comes into the light. When we bring our true selves before God, when we open ourselves up to God, it says that we come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. It's God's love that propelled him. And as we focus on God, as we look to him, we are saved for eternity and today. Ezekiel talked about how God transforms us, how he gives us an eternity with him, but how he also gives us his spirit to live today. He comes to save us. Jesus came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. You're not saved by coming to Tuesday Night Live. You're not going to have transformative life because of Tuesday Night Live. You're not going to have transformative life with Jesus because of core group. It's going to be because you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because you look to him in everything you do. The passage that follows this to end out chapter three is one where John the Baptist, remember not John who wrote the book of John, um, but John the Baptist, who we learned a little bit about the first week in the first chapter, he's this famous man that has been making the way for Jesus. He's been telling people that the Messiah was coming, and he's been um, bringing bringing people into relationship with God through their repentance and through teaching them. And he's this really famous guy, okay? And he's been baptizing people like left and right. He has lots of people who are his disciples. They're learning from him. And one day, later in chapter three, it says that um, John the Baptist is baptizing some people and his disciples are there with him. And then they notice Jesus somewhere close to them, and they're like, they come up to John, and they're like, John, did you see that? Jesus is baptizing our people. Like, Jesus is baptizing people over there. Like, this is so wrong. He's getting all this glory. He's getting all this credit. People are leaving us to go to him. Like, this is wrong, John, you're the man. Like, come on. Like, aren't you mad about this? And this is John's response. Verse 27 of chapter three. To this, John replied, a person can, only rec- can receive only what is given them from heaven. He's like, this isn't mine anyway. And then he says, you can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend, who is John, who attends the bridegroom, Jesus, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. So John's like, I'm not the one getting married here. Like I'm not the main guy, it's him. And John says, that joy is mine and it's now complete. So John's response to people focusing on Jesus instead of himself is joy. And then he says something even crazier in verse 30. He says, he, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth, John, belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. And he testifies to what is seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. But whoever has accepted it and certified that God is truthful, for the one whom God has sent speaks the word from God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. And whoever believes in the Son, Jesus, has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them." John says, I've never claimed to be the Messiah. He says, this guy, Jesus, he's the real deal. He's the one I've been talking about. He's the reason I've been calling people to come to repentance, because Jesus is coming. He says, I don't want the credit. I was made so that he would get the glory. I was made so he would be exalted, and that's my purpose. And we've seen this all over John thus far. John the Baptist said from the beginning in chapter one that he's not the light, but he's testifying about the light. He says he's the voice calling out to make way for this guy, Jesus. And it's about Jesus being famous. And he does this with joy. He's joyful that Jesus is present and he's full of joy that people are coming to know Jesus and that people are leaving him to go to Jesus. He knows that he can't save people, but Jesus can. That he can't give new life, but Jesus can. And John the Baptist joyfully turns the attention to Jesus. That's what I want my life to be. I want to make Jesus famous. I want for all of you and for everyone I come in contact with to look to Jesus, to lift your eyes to Jesus. The news, the good news, that's what gospel means. John's a gospel. The good news is that Jesus came and that Jesus wants you to look to him. He wants you to be in him, to have new life in him. I can't give anybody new life, and I can't change your hearts from stone to flesh. I can't, but Jesus can. What could happen if we chose to see everything in our life through Jesus? What could happen if we made our lives all about making Jesus famous? It's so countercultural because a lot of times we're told, like, you need to be the best you, you need to get yours, like, make it about you. And the things that I know I've struggled with in the past, like, what do people think of me? What do, you know, like, like Mally was talking about, like titles, like all of these things that, that we can choose to focus on, that we can choose to exalt in our life, that we can choose to look through and look to. Jesus says, none of that will do. He says, you need to look to me for new life. The passage in Ezekiel said that, that God puts his spirit in us and that this moves us. See, Jesus was compelled by his great love for us, and that's why he did that radical thing of coming to the earth, of God, like the God who made everything, limited himself and came to the earth as a man. And when we look to Jesus, the Holy Spirit will make us do crazy things like transfer from Radford to JMU, even though we all know JMU is better right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, but the, the Spirit will make us do things that might not look right to other people. But God says, I'm going to give you a new life. Like, you might not know what I'm doing, but, but I know. And when we put our trust in Jesus, when we exalt him, our lives will never be the same. And they will be far better than we could ever imagine. So what could happen if we do this? What could happen in our own lives? What could happen at JMU? What could happen if you lived to make Jesus famous? If you showed people God, if you shared your story with people, if you just gave the credit to God, like when you know, like, I prayed for that bus to come and it came, (laughs) like, even things like that, like if you're like, dude, I prayed for that, you know, God just brought me that bus out of nowhere, like I was going to be late, but now I'm not going to be late. I think Jesus does things like that sometimes. But even, even things like that, like what could happen if you get sick and somebody prays for you and you get better? You could say, oh yeah, I just got better, like I'm so glad. Or you could say, you know what, like somebody prayed for me and I think God had something to do with me getting better. What could happen if we lived to make Jesus famous? This campus would be transformed would be transformed. Think about how many people we as a group come in contact with every day. If we lived, if we turned the focus from ourselves to Jesus, if we turned our focus from titles to Jesus, if we turned our focus from anything else to Jesus, like what could happen? The whole world could be changed. So as the band comes up, we're going to have a time of response. And I just have two questions here, as you can see. The first question is, have you experienced new life in Jesus? Have you experienced what Jesus was telling Nicodemus about? Have you experienced this new birth? And the second question is, What is your focus? So if you haven't experienced new life in Jesus, tonight would be a great opportunity to begin a journey with Jesus where he gives us new life. He removes that heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh, puts his spirit in us and moves us to do whatever it is that he wants us to do. And the second question is, what is your focus? Has your focus, like what are you exalting in your life? What are you looking through to see everything else? Is it your future job? Is it your a relationship? Is it your image? Like what is it, what's your focus? I encourage you to make it Jesus, to ask God to help you. Remember, we're not alone, it's not up to us. We just have to be willing to ask God to lead us and be obedient when he does. So, I want the band to play for just a minute, if that's okay, without singing. And then you guys can just pray in your seats. Prayer is just a conversation with God. You can say, God, I need help refocusing. Or you can say, I've never met you, Jesus. Like, I've been thinking that coming to church was what this was all about. But now I know it's about a relationship with you. So. I'm just going to pray as we enter this time. You guys can respond. And then the band is going to sing, Great Are You, Lord. And we want to exalt Jesus. We want to lift him high. And so I would love for you all to sing. I think it's a, a way that we can praise God. I would love for you to stretch yourselves and consider raising your hands as an act of praise to God. Sometimes I just have so much love and excitement for Jesus and it just like, that's why I raise my hand because I'm just so excited about God and I'm so thankful for him. And sometimes I know that my heart is not really feeling that. And so I might lift my hands as a way to help direct my heart and my focus. And so I would encourage you, you don't have to, I'm not making you. But I encourage you, just whatever it is, to take a step to exalt Jesus, perhaps in a way that you hadn't before. And let's make him known. So would you pray with me as we enter this time of response? Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are God who came as a person, who showed us how to live for for God here on the earth as a person. We thank you that you've experienced everything we could experience. And God, I just thank you that you offer this new life to us, that you offer this rich, joyful life. And God, I just pray that tonight, if there is anyone here that hasn't experienced this new birth, this new like vitalization, this new life, your spirit coming in them, Lord, I pray that they would tonight. I pray that they would open their selves up to you. So Jesus, we say that we're open to you, we look to you, God. We want to make you famous. We want to glorify you in everything we do, God. Lord, we want to really live for you. We don't want this, we don't want you to be just part of our life, God. We want our whole life to be about bringing you glory in whatever way that might be. God, so help us change the way that we think about our lives help us see everything through you help us see our studies through you help us see it as a way to honor you as a way to learn more about you and the world you created help us see that that maybe we do need to get really good grades so we can go to grad school and then go to a country that has not heard of you that requires that. Lord, who knows? Like, you know the future. And so we just pray that we would bring you glory. And God, I pray that JMU would be transformed by people in this room. Exalting you everywhere they go. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we ask you for your help. In the name of Jesus, amen.